Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome back to the First Cut podcast. Uh, for for some reason, uh, the people that uh, the people in power gave me and Greg Ducharme the reins again. So we are uh, we're back at it. My name is Kyle Porter. We're recapping the uh, the final round of the AT and T Byron Nelson, and then we'll talk a little PGA Championship as well. Greg, uh, welcome in. Are you? Like, can you believe that they let us do this again after what transpired on Thursday? Uh, I'm surprised. Uh, I'm happy that we're both still here and we have this chance again. So, you know, perhaps it's desperate times. Perhaps we did all right and followed the rules a little bit on Thursday. But, you know, as we say on every on every Sunday, what a week. What a week. I think uh, I think our actual host, who's, whose job I appreciate – like exponentially more every time I have to sit in his chair. Uh, he's in he's he's in mourning over his Sixers getting bounced by the Celtics uh, in the in the uh, seventh game of the Eastern Conference semis. But he'll be back uh, for the PGA Championship next week. We'll be back for the PGA Championship next week as well, Craig. But first, we need to clean up a little Byron Nelson news. Uh, we had an, an interesting kind of bunched up final round at uh, TPC Craig Ranch. Um. I don't know where you want to start. I, I kind of want to go through. So with the PGA Championship next week, there's a lot of interesting names that were in it. Or excuse me, in the Byron Nelson competing for that championship on Sunday. And I kind of want to go through some of these stars that had good weekends, good final days uh, as they take a little momentum into Oak Hill. So I want to start with Hideki Matsuyama, uh, who shot 665 in the final round and really finished strong uh, at this tournament. He shot three rounds of 67 this week. How are you feeling about Hideki going into the second major of the year? He's had a weird year with a bunch of injuries, but he played well at the Nelson. He seems like he always plays well at the Nelson. Where, where are you at with Hideki? I feel good about him. You know, the biggest concern with Hideki Matsuyama is what's going on this year anyway. It's about what's going on with what's going on with his health, what's going on with his neck, uh, and, and where do we where do we stand with that? And I feel like he looked really solid this week from a health standpoint. Uh, and, and then you look at what he did, you know, how he got into this finish position, uh, how he shot 65 today, how he shot three rounds of 67 or better. And, and a lot of the work he did was with his iron play. And that has not really been the case for him this year, but it, it is this week, which is great. You know, he hit 14 or more greens and three of the rounds this week. He was eighth in strokes gain approach for the week in total uh, and 14th in proximity. If he had 57 greens this week, you know, that that's, that's a lot. That's it's really impressive stuff. Um, and that's what you're going to need next week at, uh, at, at uh, Oak Hill. But the one question, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. I know we're going to talk a lot about Oak Hill a little bit later on. But, um, you know, he wasn't all that accurate off the tee. Yeah. And just the one concern that I have is, was he able to perform with his irons a little more uh, this week? And will he be punished more for inaccuracy off the tee next week? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think we're we're kind of talking about this off air. I Oak Hill is a place that has 
really opened up, you know, with the with the renovation that Andrew Green did back in 2019, 2020. You know, the legend of that course is they planted 75,000 oak trees back in 1921, 1922, whenever it was. And you're like, wow, that's a lot of trees. And Andrew Green has this great quote where he says, well, small trees become big trees over time, right? They grow. Yeah. That's how, that's how nature works. Oak. Yeah, well, especially when they're oak trees. And they got too big. And so they had to clear a lot of them out. And I think what, what you're going to see at Oak Hill this time around is a much um, more open uh, PGA Championship there compared to 2013 when, when Jason Duffner and Jim Furyk competed. And so I think it allows... I mean, it just, no matter how you feel about this, it really narrows the, to me, and Rick has been talking about this, it narrows the tournament to the guys that are the biggest guys off the tee, which I think Hideki is adjacent to that group. I don't know if he's in that sort of Rory, Rom, Scheffler group off the tee, but he's he's like pretty close to it, right? So yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that concerned about anybody's accuracy. I mean, within reason off the tee going into Oak Hill week. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. The other thing is, you know, regardless of what his total distance numbers say, Kyle, you watch him hit it in person with a, with a driver and he launches it really high mm-hmm. Spends a lot of time in the air. And, and that is going to be something, especially if you get some really thick rough uh, and you can carry the ball a long way. Well, you'll still gain a lot of that distance and and you'll be able to take you'll be able to take advantage of it a little bit more. Wow. You okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna make it through. That's uh, good. That came up on me quick. I'm I'm glad for that. Yeah. Uh, I think one thing one theme you're gonna see next week at Oak Hill is covering bunkers being the bunkers are like a real uh penalty at Oak Hill in ways that they aren't at a lot of major championships and they're very penalizing. So I think covering bunkers, it's not, you can't play that like running kind of Mark Leishman style of, of slapping it off the tee where you, where you hit it and it runs. This is not an open championship. Right. And so I, I do think hype and uh, bunker covering bunker coverage off the tee is going to be, uh, is going to be really important. Speaking of great drivers, Adam Scott, Eight under sixty-three in the final round. Uh, he bookended actually his uh, Byron Nelson experience with with sixty-three. He shot sixty-three in the first round, sixty-three in the final round. The middle two weren't that great, but he's put together back-to-back top tens. Greg going into Oak Hill, he finished ten or he finished uh, top five at, at Quail Hollow. He finishes T eight this week. Do you have confidence that Adam Scott, who is a great driver and is very long still at the age of 42, is do you have confidence that he can contend uh, at a PGA championship after what he did at the Nelson? You know, um, I, I want to, and I look at it and I say, yeah, oh, Adam Scott at, at a major is going to be great. And you think about the challenge that uh, Quail Hollow presents at, at the Wells Fargo and the performance from Adam Scott was phenomenal, but it, it, he did a lot of his work with the short game at, at Wells Fargo. I was concerned this week that wouldn't really be uh, possible. Uh, and he did it again. You know, he's third in strokes game putting. He's 16th in strokes gain around the green this week. Uh, and, and while he did drive it well, and at least in those two bookend rounds, um, the ball striking was, was definitely a, a tick down from where his short game was. And and this is the kind of thing that leads to those bogeys, right? The the middle rounds, it's not like the birdies dried up. He just he made three bogeys in both of those rounds, uh, and that's the thing that ends up up costing him some of those little mistakes. And those mistakes are usually made tee to green. His short game's in great, great, uh, a great place right now. The putting is in a great place, but I wonder if the ball striking can match up to it. And and that worries me heading into a major. You know, I don't like to jump on board with somebody leaning on short game. So I wouldn't rule it out, but I don't feel as good about it as I do with Hideki. Yeah, I think I agree. You know, Scott had been struggling so far this year and part of it was his putter had, had been not good and it's been awesome the last couple of weeks. And he even said yeah. this after his round, he he said, 
you know, even on the days where the numbers aren't great, he's like, I'm just, I'm just hitting better putts. And, you know, I, it's just, it's, I, well, I think we're going to see this as a theme as we talk about the PGA championship over the next three or four days. It's like, okay, who's going to be at Ram and Shuffler, <laughs> you know? So it's, right. it's hard, it's hard to be confident about anybody, you know, no matter how they're playing with the, the caliber of golf that John Rom and Scotty Shuffler are playing. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on, I think I probably have more confidence in Hideki, but I think Scott's interesting. I, I wish he would get one more major before his career's over because I think two majors is more indicative of kind of the quality of player that he's been over the last 20 years, maybe even three. He, he, he has played at the, at the clip of a two or three major guy and he still only has that one. So, um, I mean, you are what your major record says you are, but it would yeah. be cool if, if he could get another one. Uh, Oak, Hill too. Oak Hill would seem to fit who you think Adam Scott is. Right When you look at his career, uh, I think there's a lot of similarities between what he has done through his career and uh, style-wise to a Jason Duffner, although he's much longer, but he's very accurate. He's been very accurate with his irons throughout the entirety of his career. Jim Furyk in that category as well. I, I I could see some similarities there, um, not in the in the aesthetics of the golf swing by <laughs> any means, uh, but but you have a like a um, th- some of these guys that are really precise with their iron play. Uh, I think Adam Scott matches in theory. I'm just not sure if his game is really at that at that point right now. You're saying that Jim Furyk and Adam Scott have different swings. Yeah, if you slow it down in slow motion, see some of the differences. It's hard to pick up on full speed. Uh, okay, we're we're building up to uh, to talk about Jason Day for a while here, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna get to him. Let's go. Um, actually, you know what? Let's take a let's take a break real quick, Greg. Uh, let's hear a word from our partners. We'll come back and uh, talk about some of these top guys. Did you know that more than seventy five percent of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only ten percent will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Okay, a couple guys I want to roll through here, Greg. Uh, we've got, we got the Breadman. Breadman shot, I believe it was round of the day, 62. CT Pan, uh, he went out in 30 with six birdies on the front, and then he made Eagle on 14 and 18. And finished at uh, at twenty one under. He had an awesome day. Where are you at with uh, with CT Pan these days? Uh, uh, made a very good play. It was tied tied round of the day. 
Okay. Um, yeah. Jason Day also uh yes also tied him with 62 so really really good stuff out of ct pan look his game hasn't really been um to this level all this year we, we haven't seen a whole lot of ct pan so far uh i i love watching him play in general but this season for some reason it hasn't seemed to kind of match up to this so to see him get himself into this position uh, as a fan is something that I, I thought was pretty nice, but we just haven't seen him compete this way. Been losing strokes. Hasn't really played a whole lot. I mean, you look at his statistics. He doesn't even, uh, he doesn't even qualify for ranks because he's only played in seven events so far this year. Um, and, and he missed the cut at uh, both events in 2023, the RBC heritage and the Wells Fargo. Um, so nice to see him kind of getting back in the swing of things and playing some good golf. Yeah, it is. He's not been, I did not realize until looking it up today, but uh, he's not been playing very good golf. He's not been making cuts. You know, you got to go back to, to Riviera in 2022 for the last top 10 he had on the PGA tour. So he's somebody who's had an interesting career. He was really successful amateur, obviously at Washington. Uh, Then he wins and he kind of, he he's contended in what was the event that he contended in a couple of years ago that you're like, wait a second, CT, pan is contending it was some like long uh driving course where it just didn't feel like he was going to contend at all and then he did and i can't remember uh was it a major uh i'm i'm looking right now too okay it was it was the this is what i remember he uh it was the 2020 masters he finished t7 Ah. so that that was the weird november one right Right. so it was a different golf course but that's just not a place that i would have envisioned ct pan contending and then he did so um yeah i mean he's the type of guy that's kind of on that border that cusp of like you know if if you don't have the win exemption you could fall back down onto the corn Ferry tour just because he doesn't, he doesn't hit it at that clip that you need to hit it at to, to be a consistent, you know, 10, 12, 15 year player on the PGA tour. And, and, you know, when you deal with, uh, with injury or you have to step away and are limited in how much you can play, it it becomes really difficult to get yourself into that top 70. I I mean, extremely difficult and you need finishes like this to stack up much quicker. So there, there's a lot less room and margin for error. But I tell you, if you get what you saw this week out of CT pan, um, then all that stuff becomes possible because yeah. today was a laser show with irons. He was inside a 12 feet constantly. I mean, yeah. on the front nine, he shot 30 and left a few out there. This was an incredible, incredible play with, with the irons, especially on, on that front nine, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Uh, like you said, he had the round of the day tied with Jason Day at nine under. Uh, Siwoo Kim, Adam Scott, Steven Yeager, Kevin Tway, and somebody else. Oh, Peter, Peter Quest, Kest. I've never heard of this guy. Uh, they all shot 63 uh, in the final round at the Byron Nelson. Uh, let's talk Scotty. Scotty was uh, very much in this event, very live to win it. Uh, he had a bad Saturday, Greg. I, I presume you guys talked about this yeah. uh, on, was it you and Patrick? On no, Saturday? Patrick and Mark. Patrick and Mark. That's right. Uh, he just wasn't very good on Saturday. He shot 71, uh, which was, this is an easy golf course. You can't, it's very difficult to shoot any of your rounds in the 70s and go on to win. You can contend like he did, but you have to be so perfect on all the other days. Uh, if you, if you're shooting a 71 in one of the rounds, so he just kind of played himself out of it a little bit on Saturday, but then he missed a lot of putts. You know, he missed a lot of putts. I don't know what his numbers were on. Well, I've got them right here. Uh, Scotty Sheffler on Sunday, negative. He lost a half stroke putting on Sunday. He lost two strokes putting on Saturday. He gained two on Friday. And he gained a half on Thursday. So he was a zero putter for the week and finished tied for fifth, which just yeah. highlights, I think, the level that his T to green play is at right now. Should Scotty Scheffler be the favorite for Oak Hill next week? Oh, 
between he and Rom. I mean, probably he probably should because he just played. And we got to see him, and we haven't seen Rom in a little while. Um, so we're a little more, you know, we're closer to the closer to the sun with Scotty Scheffler. You know, we've seen we've seen it a little more recently, and that could be the difference pre-tournament between Rom and Scheffler. They're so similar, but you look at this performance and. I heard him talking with Amanda Renner after and he's saying, you know, I, I didn't give myself uh, the looks, you know, I didn't and I didn't make any of the longer ones. And it's like there were really only on, on the back nine. He either made birdie or took away a chance for a look with, um, you know, with a, a with two poor tee shots well out to the right. It, that was really it. Other than that, I mean, what he didn't give himself a great look on fifteen, and nobody really did. Um, it, it would look. This was a very limited number of mistakes from Scotty Scheffler today. Uh, he he capitalized. He took advantage. It's just really hard to shoot sixty-two. So uh, yeah, I'm a I'm way up on Scotty. This is the kind of golf that um, that major champions play. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about this, you and I, Greg, on Thursday, where we were talking about the difference between Jason Day and, and Scotty, because I think those two and Adam Scott were the three favorites after day one. And you and I both said, like, hey, we kind of like Day here because yeah. this this is not this doesn't play into the hands of an elite ball striker. Not that Day is not an elite ball striker, uh, but he's not at Scotty's level right now and where Scotty thrives is where you have risk reward shots and he either takes them on and executes them or he plays away from the risk when others play into it. Right. That that's where, that's like where he makes his, that's where his bread's buttered uh, and, and has been for the last 18 months. And there's just, there's, it's not like he didn't do it this week. There's just not the opportunity to do it. And so I don't, yeah. I don't leave the Nelson thinking, Oh, well, Scotty's like, you know, maybe not playing peak Scotty golf because it's just not the type of course that plays into his hands. Right. And, you know, a 71 at the Nelson because of a cold putter is uh, is one thing. But, you know, I don't get the sense that if the golf course gets more difficult, that round gets a whole lot worse. And that's because of the ball striking. So, you know, a 71 on a bad putting day for Scotty next week keeps him in the tournament where this week it plays. It didn't quite play him out of it because, you know, if he shot the same score as Jason Day, they end up tying. So he lost to Jason Day today. But Mm -hmm. the 71 makes it a lot more difficult. You have you have to go shoot 62, you know, and that's that's a really difficult thing to do on command. So I, I love where we are with Scotty Scheffler. Uh, the game is in great shape, and in all likelihood, he's probably better off, um, probably better off not winning this week heading into PGA and, and and still playing really well like he did. I love that. What other sport uh, do you not want to win the, the like so you can win the next week? It's such yeah. a preposterous yeah. thing. It, I, it is. Two other notes on Scotty finished second in the field from T to green behind Jason day. So no concerns there. And then uh, producer Josh pointed this out. Rom right now, we'll probably go over this at the end. Rom is seven to one to win the PGA championship. So he's plus 700 and Scotty's plus 750. So they're one, two, they should be one, two. I don't even really know who should be three. I think you could make the case for this next guy, honestly, being, the third best player in the world right now. And that's Jason day who won his first PGA tour event in five years. Uh, did it as, as it, it, we talked about this earlier in the, in the week, it, it might feel for some people like this came from out of nowhere. It did not. He's been playing. He's one of only six guys this year. That's gaining over two strokes per round. And he just didn't have the win to kind of show for it. So I guess my question for you, Greg is, what are you most impressed by this year? Not just this event, but this year with Jason Day, because there's a lot going on with him. Uh, it was all discussed on the broadcast. It was all really interesting. But what has impressed you the most about his his year and, and the way he won this tournament? Well, I mean, I, I would like to start with some of the statistics, right? So what did he come? What has he improved on uh, from a statistical standpoint? And it's so clearly his iron play. 
Yeah. Uh, which is so important, right? I mean, from basically 2017 until last year, he's outside the top 100 on tour every year, uh, you know, losing, bleeding strokes, uh, approaching the green. Uh, and, and he was still able to win a couple of times w- despite those difficulties. Uh, but then all of a sudden he gets that turned around. And this year, this will change, but he was inside the top 35. And it'll go up because this week that was a, a strength of his game. I mean, he was third in the field approaching the green. But then with Jason Day, there's this next layer you got to peel back. Well, it's not just he found something with his iron play, right? I mean, you're, you're dealing with injuries. You're dealing with a swing change. I'll even put the emotional stuff, which today especially is a, a really big deal. But I put that stuff off to the side for now. And when you're dealing with a a body that is constantly injured, I mean, the guy's laying in his bed at 34 years old thinking, is it too early to retire? Can I make it to 40? Right. And that that's because of back pain. He's immobilized. He can't move. He can't compete. So he's got to fix the body. Then he's got to rework the swing. So the, the body stuff doesn't happen again. And then he's got to bring it to the golf course and compete. And, you know, early on last year when these swing changes were starting, I, I mean, like January of last year at the Farmers Insurance Open, there were a couple of times where he got himself in contention and faced these iron shots that were pivotal. And he hit some terrible shots. Uh, and and all of a sudden, then the rest of that year didn't really materialize. Uh, but the work and the progression has come through. And this year it did materialize. And, and he looked like in the fall, the guy to have a big 2023. And it doesn't always work out that way. I mean, we I think everybody predicted that he was going to have a breakout year. Uh, and, and that falls flat more often than not. And, and it hasn't for him because everything that he did in the fall has continued. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, he's talked about this a lot and it's really interesting to me when you have a guy that used to be the number one player in the world, won 10 times from 2015 to 2018, won a major, won the players, did everything, and then he falls to, I think it was like 164 during last year. And to get back to where he's at now, like winning and playing like a top five, top 10 player in the world, it takes an extraordinary amount of work and you kind of got to be obsessed with it, right? And he's talked about that. Yeah. He's talked about being like calling his coach at one in the morning. I don't know. That sounds like kind of a weird thing to do. I don't know if he's actually called his coach at one in the morning, but just the idea of like, I'm so obsessed. And th- this is a quote that he said, I'm so obsessed with the golf swing. It's all I think about when I wake up, when I go to bed. And you're like, oh, that's kind of relatable. Like, I kind of love that about, like, I guess my point here, and I'm curious about what you think, is I think Jason Day in his struggle has become more endearing than he was in his success. And that's not an unusual path. Like, I think struggle is endearing because we all struggle with whatever our job is or whatever our life is. But I just think he's become more relatable now after he's gone through two or three years of, of really not playing very good golf. And, and he's been extremely open about it, right? This would be an easy thing to try to avoid or, or, uh, you know, not talk about, but he's talked about it uh, on every level, you know, what's going on with his health, um, what's going on with the golf swing. He gets into the technique of the golf swing to the obsession. I mean, sometimes he gets into it, not even provoked, not even asked about it. He just go, he just goes there. And that's because that's what's on his mind, right? It's in the forefront of his mind. He's looking for a way to weave it into the conversation in an interview. And so you hear these things that it peels back the layers and you get to know the person and you appreciate what the, what this person is, is going through, is dealing with what they're doing to get back to the top. And, you know, quite frankly, Kyle, this week, hearing him speak this week, it sounds like, you know, he's not there yet in his mind. He's still in the progression. There are still things that uh, need to work out. So it was kind of bizarre in a way when he won. It, It wasn't like it didn't. I didn't get the sense that he had gotten back to the mountaintop in his mind felt like 
okay, well, I, I won, but I, you know, I still got, I still have work to do. Yeah. You know, the emotion of it did make me sort of feel what you're saying, which is not like, Hey, this was the goal. It feels like the goal is beyond this. Right. And, and yeah. I guess, I guess it begs the question of what is the ceiling for day? I mean, can he, like, what do you think about the rest of his year? Can he win three times? Can he win the FedEx Cup? Can he win a major? Like, I, I just don't know. I, th- I think if you're, if you're paying close attention, him winning a, an event at the level of the Byron Nelson seems, I don't know about obvious, but it seems like pretty, like a normal thing. Like, yeah, of course, like this is how he was playing. He's going to win an event like this. But what can he do beyond that for the remainder of 2023? Well, he is eighth on the pga i mean this is this doesn't include a win okay so these are this is where he ranks uh, on the on the pga tour this year he's uh off the tee he's 26th Uh, approach the green he's 27th around the green he's 26th putting he's 11th okay now that guy is a Great. That's a great player. What, yeah. What's the limitation for that kind of profile? He's top thirty in every single in every single category. It's a, that is that's a guy who can win any event. Uh, he's he has plenty of distance. He is averaging three hundred three off the tee this year. That's sixty third on tour. That's plenty plenty long to play just about anywhere. So, what's the ceiling? I, I mean, could he win three more times? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he won three more times. I, I don't know if he will, um, but he has that kind of game right now. Yeah, I, I, I legit think he could win the PGA Championship next week. And I think the reason I think that, you know, you you were getting at this, you will get a statistical profile in 2015, 16 when he was winning everything. Yeah. And it was driving and putting, driving and putting, driving and putting. And he wasn't good. We talked about this on Thursday. He was a good enough iron player, but he's almost switched the iron play and the driving right to where the total still adds up. I mean, like the total is still mostly the same, but he's doing it more so with his iron play. He's actually a a more accurate driver than he was back in those days. Not as long, but he's more accurate. And I think all things being equal, Greg, you would rather be you would rather get your strokes gained with iron play than you would driving. I think I'm not well, be, least, definitely for one week, right? Yes. You know, the shorter term, the yeah. shorter the term, the more advantageous that is, because that's where, that's all of a sudden it's direct opportunities where driving the theory with driving is, well, if you if you gain a ton of strokes off the tee you're going to give yourself chances to give yourself chances. Well, well I mean, you know yeah, it's like, it's like the 10,000 hole game. Like if, right. if, ever, if you went and played 10,000 holes, Rory and Rom would, one of those guys would win or Scheffler, like right. for sure, because it's the driving thing or it's the distance thing. But I think you're right. Like setting yourself up for, and I, I like I, I, this sounds crazy. I, I wonder if Jason Day is a better player right now than he was back in 2015, 2016. You know, I, I get where you're coming from with that, but I just, I don't think he's as uh, electric on the greens. He's yeah. still great, but he was, you know, jaw dropping with his putting back mm-hmm. then, yeah. and that's the kind of thing that makes him feel it made him feel invincible. Uh, you know, it, it has an effect on your opponents, but he is a much more steady player now. That's for sure. Uh, and, and you can see the potential where if he, if he gets hot and it, look, the putting has been great. It just, it doesn't feel like it's been red hot at all. And that's kind of scary, you know, yeah. kind of look at a great putter who's not hot yet. and still putting up numbers. That's kind of scary. How good was that wedge shot into 18 to, to basically lock it up? I mean, you think about the decision to lay up and yeah, that that to me presents a lot of confidence in in that wedge play where he left himself like 87 yards mm-hmm. and, and it's like he knew, well, I'm, I'm going to make I'm going to make birdie from there um, and he and he had to. So that, that was. It was perfect. 
that's all that's all it was it it really was it was a it was a very cool finish and uh really a uh to me sort of a yeah like a signpost on what has been a a pretty remarkable run back toward the top of the of the world golf rankings i don't know what he'll go to maybe maybe um nosferatu has tweeted it out but I, i don't know what he'll go to in the owgr but uh, it's been a uh, it's been a huge huge rebound for Jason Day over the last uh, from where he was at uh, two years ago. Uh, okay, we're gonna take a look at some more Jason Day stuff. We're gonna look at our best bets, our one and done, and, and then talk a little bit about Oak Hill uh, f- as we end the Nelson Week and enter the second major championship week of the year. But first, as Rick would say, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And welcome back. As Rick would also say, I just found myself like hitting, trying to hit his beats and I'm worse at it. So it's like, you know, you're getting a good model to follow. Yeah. You're getting like bargain bin Rick, which is just, <laughs> just tough for, for me, for everyone involved. Uh, we are going to look at our best bets though. I think uh, producer Josh has them put them on the screen. Uh, not a bad week for us here, Greg. We hit no. all all three matchups. Uh, you, I'm going to let you comment on this because you weren't involved. Uh, but we did hit Rick hit Joseph Bramlett over Davis Riley. Patrick hit Stephen Yeager over Taylor Montgomery. Stephen Yeager finished in the top ten. That was a good one. And then I had uh, I had Jason Day over Tom Kim, uh, which turned out uh, turned out pretty nice for me. Yeah, and you know sometimes I, I look at those matchups when you have the winner on one side, and it's like uh, you, you know you left a lot out there. But fortunately, as we move through this, we're going to find out you didn't really leave anything out there. Um, so one, I want to go on Patrick's Stephen Yeager over Taylor Montgomery. This to me is a quarterback w- who's just targeting a, a cornerback who's a, a rookie or hurt. Uh, and he's just throwing the ball at Taylor Montgomery. And he he's just, I'm, I'm just picking on Taylor Montgomery right now. Because Patrick isn't really all that impressed with him. Uh, and look, it worked out again. And Steven Yeager played great. Uh, but that was, you know, it feels like, I know Patrick looked at that and said, this is easy, easy money. Yeah, no, he did. And Taylor Montgomery was 11 under. Uh, so decent week for him. He finished at T50, but uh, as I guess Steven Yeager didn't finish in the top 10. He finished just outside of it. He finished T11, uh, which was one stroke back of T8. So he was one stroke outside of the top 10. If you look at our uh, finishing position bets, uh, Rick missed. I missed on a Sam Stevens that I want to talk about here in a second because it was yeah, Just, what happened there? Uh, it was it was a mess. I mean, his numbers this week, Greg, are astonishing. He finished. <laughs> okay, how about this? So your top six guys in T to green this week: Jason Day first, Scotty Scheffler T five, Ryan Palmer T eight, Benny on T fourteen, Siwoo Kim T two, and then Sam Stevens finished sixth in T to green, but T thirty four on the leaderboard. It's because oh. he finished eightieth in putting. He was yeah. 
nearly the worst putter in the field. And as a result, he finished uh, well outside, not well outside, but a few strokes outside the top 20. So that was tough. But Patrick did hit on Siwoo Kim uh, finishing in the top 20. Yeah, I love the Siwoo Kim play. That was uh, well done. Very smart. Sam Stevens, we talked about on Thursday, too. I was a little concerned uh, with some of his tee to green numbers that they were, you know, maybe not as uh, repeatable as they looked. But they they were. He kept he hit it great throughout the entirety of the week. Uh, I just didn't foresee him losing, you know, five, you know, nearly five shots over the weekend on the greens alone. So that's a tough one to swallow. But again, another great pick uh, from Patrick. Yeah. Uh, And then our last one, the outright, we had a couple, couple of them that almost hit Patrick with Siwoo at 40 would have been, would have been pretty awesome. Yeah. He had Siwoo and Steven Yeager at 50. Yeah. That's a good week. Which was which was remarkable, and then Rick and I had Terrell Hatton, who was uh, not really in it, but he did finish. I think T five, T five, yeah, sixty three so, on Sunday, great round. Yeah, he 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 shot sixty five, sixty three on the weekend. Which again, he was playing from behind, didn't have the best start. I think he shot sixty eight on day one, which just put him behind the eight ball a little bit. Uh, but then I hit on Jason Day at fourteen to one, and I think I'll let you comment on this but i think we're going to show the uh the season standings because this this is a week that that buoyed us a little bit got us back looking a little bit better than uh than we normally do so you can take a look yeah. at this and uh, tell me what you see here uh look that's phenomenal we're there's a, a lot more uh you're back in the black patrick's working his way up a really good week um but a win you, you hit on something at 14 to 1 and there's typically in those right two columns, there's a lot of red. You get, I mean, you can only have one max. You can't have two correct outright winners. That doesn't happen, obviously. Uh, and and when you do hit on those, well, it, it's a big spike. So it's pretty cool here to see um, you back up into the black. Patrick working his way back up. Uh, and of course, Rick is just, I, I mean, he's got a 35% win percentage. Yeah, it's pretty good. He's he's definitely carrying us. I mean, when you can spend nine thousand six hundred and forty dollars to make seventeen, I think you got to do it. <laughs> How could you say no? I mean, we're we're headed in the right direction, though. I mean, yeah. that's that seventeen might be seventeen hundred here in a few weeks. Look, it's it's profit. Why would it's profit? Period. And totally. Story. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. We got to get Patrick is our has been our our anchor, and I don't mean like you play him the last match of the Ryder Cup. I mean he is like literally weighing us down right now. But <laughs> he's he's again headed in the right direction. Uh, he's been kind of feeling it over the last month. We need to get him into some of these uh, major championships and uh, and and see what he can do. Uh, okay, let's take a look at our best bets. Uh, we have. Uh, we got, we got some decent best bets here. Uh, Rick hit on his, he had Carson young top 40. Uh, that was at plus two ten, and Carson young finished. I actually don't know where he finished. Uh, let's see here. He finished T 14. Yeah. He always stands out to me because, you know, I, I think it's Cam. Oh, not cam. You know, it's not cam. Yes. The other, yes. Yes. The other yes. CA young. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of funny to me. So I always notice his name and he's been playing some better golf, uh, Carson Young. So good on Rick there. Uh, at least we got one. Yeah. So the second one, Patrick had Aaron Wise to miss the cut at plus 175. I don't know how he didn't miss the cut here, Greg, because he shot 68 in round one. So he's three under. And then he shot 70 in round two. So he was four under. Was the cut? The cut was four under, right? The cut was four under. Okay, so he yeah. made it. And, he made uh, it on the number. Yeah, and Michael Uzi or Michael Uzi down the stretch moved it from five to four. He had like a, I think he had a fairly short putt to to get it to five, uh, and, and he he missed and kept it at four. So it was close. That was yeah. really close. Yeah, it was very close. And then I had I doubled up on Sam Stevens to finish in the top twenty. Which, as we went over earlier, he hit it like a top six player and could not make a putt. Yeah, so that That's was a tough. good play. You went all in on Sam Stevens. He I, lived. He lived up to the reason why you did it. Yeah, uh, and it just didn't work out. 
Yeah, this 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 overall is a little tougher to look at. Everybody's in the red. We're down eighteen and a half percent, but uh, we got the majors coming up. We got three majors left. We got the playoffs. We got a lot of a lot of time to to make up some ground here. Yeah, so, one we're one win away from turning the momentum here. <laughs> Getting this back on track. You, you sound like a corn fairy tour player. Uh, okay, let's look at the one and done standings. Uh, it was not a ton of. There was a lot going on this week. There wasn't a ton of movement. So, uh, Mark uh, at the top had KH Lee, and KH Lee, uh, believe he missed the. He no, made he finished, the cut. He finished T fifty. Yeah, made. He was part. Of, he made the cut at four under as well. So he actually pulled a Sam Stevens this week. Um, because he finished ninth from T to green and T 50 on the leaderboard. He was yeah. 80, he was 83rd in putting Craig. Not good. No, 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 no. And for somebody who, you know, supposedly likes the greens here, I guess he didn't this week. Yeah. Did not this week. So Margaret's 20, 21,000 uh, from KH Lee, which is pretty, uh, just incidental uh, compared to the 15 million he's already racked up. Right. It's so, incidental. Not no, much. No factor. Yeah, not much movement there. Uh, the next couple of guys did have a little bit of movement, uh, even though they had the same guy. Rick and Kyle Lamb both had at Tyrell Hatton, who gained uh, or who earned, I should say, three hundred fifty thousand uh, for his T five. Uh, he actually benefited from that uh, that Scotty miss at the last hole. I was thinking about that as Scotty was putting. He had probably what a five six footer on the yeah. last hole. I could tell you exactly what it was, but, um, you know, he, in all likelihood, he should have, let's see here, 18. Yeah. Three feet. No, no, that's right. Oh, I'm back in round two for some reason. Uh, he had a three foot, 11 inch putty missed. Oh, so it wasn't even five feet. Yeah. It was what he had four feet. Yep, n- not even four feet. He hit it five feet six inches. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so that that benefited those of us who had Tyrell Hattons, which was Rick, Kyle, M, myself, and that's it. So those were the three that had Tyrell Hatton. Again, three hundred fifty k is yeah, it's a good play. It didn't result in a ton of movement, though. In fact, I don't know. I think every, I think the standings stayed the same because I was already ahead of Sia. So yeah, no movement at all. Yeah. So speaking of Sia, he had Cbez, Christian Bezaden Hout, Bezaden Hoot. Mark's gonna kill me for how I pronounce that. Yeah, the, you uh, gotta worry about those names. The he, the South African names with them. Yeah, he finished uh T twenty three, shot fifteen under, uh eighty thousand dollars. Decent play, but you know, if you string together Thirty, eighty thousand dollars in a row. You're not gonna. You gotta have some hits here. I mean, that's the that's the name of the game with the one and done. Yeah. So, um, I yeah, thought it was a, talk to me about that. By the way, I I've only was, missed one cut this year. Really? I, yeah, and then dead, dead. And it was Colin Morikawa in in uh, Phoenix, and I'm a dead last. Well, this is but this is like this is sort of emblematic of what I believe about the modern PGA Tour, right? Where it's like it doesn't really matter if you make all the cuts. It matters whether your hot weeks are really hot and the, the, all the other stuff doesn't matter at all. You're absolutely right. And and that's what happens as the separation of pay, separation of FedEx cup points, whatever the measurement tool is uh, where you're ranking players as that separates the, the benefit goes way closer to the top than it does the cut makers. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that the, it's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last one. We have Tom Kim. That's who uh, Patrick had. That's who you had as well, Greg. He finished yeah. T34 on the week. He shot 65 on Sunday, which was yep. nice. Uh, but he only earned you. He only gained you 45k uh, for the week. So again, not. You know, everybody. I think everybody made the cut, but there wasn't. There just wasn't a lot of movement uh, for and and we've kind of got some separation. It's like one of those U.S. Open leaderboards where, you know, two guys are seven under, a couple of guys are at one under, uh, then everybody else is over par, and they're ju- they're just kind of becoming a lot of separation to where you don't get a lot of week over week movement uh, on this one and done leaderboard. Right. I mean, we're still getting a little bit of t- TV coverage. 
<laughs> but, but I mean, I don't know. After this week, if there's not some movement from the bottom up, I think we're gonna we're we're off the coverage. Yeah, you might get dropped from from yeah. television coverage after yeah. uh, after Mark goes up 15 mil on you or something. It's it's close. We're dangerously close to that. Yeah, I mean, nearly getting... 10 million. He's nearly 10 million dollars ahead of me. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's not great. Four at the PGA, four at the uh, Memorial. You know, I I could chip away at this with a couple designated wins. I don't know how you're going to get four at the PGA. Well, you know, three and change, right? Mm, What's PGA? I think it's like two something. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Producer Josh can look it up, but. Well, then uh, I'll wait to win. Yeah, for sure. You should, you should save it for the playoffs. (laughs) Right. Uh, I think the Masters was two point. Maybe it was three. Maybe you're right. This is why Mark's winning and we're not because we don't know yeah. what the numbers are. Yeah, he knows. He knows <laughs> who to play. Uh, okay, real quick before we get to just some PGA news and notes, uh, Jason Day went from 35th to 20th in the OWGR. So he'll be a top 20 player, or he is a top 20 player going in to the PGA Championship. Greg, what are your. Just give me your. like we didn't write this down. We didn't prepare for this, but give me like two or three of your top storylines going into the PGA championship. Ooh. Um, well, one, what are we going to get out of Jordan Spieth and mm. the injury? Right. I think because he's going for a career grand slam here. Uh, and I think that his, his performance and Oak Hill in general kind of suit a, a Jordan Spieth in a way. Uh, I'm very curious about his injury. So that would be my number one story. Uh, John Rahm is on the the precipice of a historic season. We've talked a lot about the limited number of five win seasons on the PGA Tour, uh, and there's a very limited number of multiple major winners this year. But John Rahm's game feels like it, that's going to happen, uh, and I'm curious to see if it does, and if it does this week. Um, look, Scotty Scheffler has some redemption i think their battle between one and two in the world anytime they're playing is a top story so those would be in in my top three Uh, and perhaps you know again without preparing another one that comes to mind is what are we going to get out of uh out of live players this time around are we going to get a similar situation to masters uh is you know is a is a brooks kepka ready to go again duel it up for another pga um, and what are we going to get from that front? So those would be some of my some of my top. I'm I'm sure I'm missing some, uh, but I think that it's a pretty, you know, it's good headlines on that list. Yeah, there there are a lot of headlines, and I think even without, I'm going to throw three more at you. I think even without uh, Tiger playing, which you won't be there, obviously, yeah. uh, th- you've got a lot of just interesting storylines you know I, and and that's i don't know that sounds dumb but I, I sometimes when tiger plays it just sucks up all the other stuff and so sometimes when he doesn't it feels like you can kind of pay more attention to the other things that are going on and i think for me i mean i could give i probably throw like 10 at you off the top of my head but um one of them is just the golf course oak hill you know it's 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 so much different than it was 10 years ago. And we talked about Andrew Green's sort of restoration. And, you know, you and I were talking about, I, I kind of threw um, Wingfoot at you as a comp in terms of, they're, they're different golf courses from what I can tell. I've not been to Oak Hill, like I have Wingfoot, but it it feels like a, a, a major championship where you can kind of bomb and gouge it might not be the right way to say it but with the tree removal almost bomb and run it up like like bryson did at wingfoot where and phil talked about this at wingfoot he's like you have these open um fronts into the greens where you can kind of just chunk uh your your second sh- if you're long enough you can chunk these sh- second shots into these greens and run it up onto the greens and you've got some greens at, at oak hill where you cannot do that but a lot of them you can. And so I'm interested to see if we get a major that is similar to what we got in 2020 at, at Wingfoot. And um, I, I think those are some very good points. 
Um, the one thing about the elevation, you know, or the one thing about the run-ups is the elevation. How severe are those false fronts? Uh, do they, um, do, uh, do those openings allow for it? Because most, pretty much every green, it seems like is elevated. Um, they also have added some runoff areas on the sides, which I don't have a great idea of where those are at this point. But from everything I've read, um, you know, there's not a, in the in the stuff that I've read, there's really no mention of it. But I've heard some conversations about the runoff areas on the side where you have this old school golf course where the greens are elevated and they're built up and, and they it used to be rough on the sides. And now they're runoff areas. And, I, and that makes the ball get really far away from the green yeah. and the whole location. So that'll be interesting. But I think your point uh, about the tree removal and the advantage that gives to distance is spot on. That's at least my lean at this point where you think of Oak Hill in January and I'm thinking of, you know, Morikawa and Homa mm -hmm. uh, because I'm thinking of, at the same time, Duffner and Furick. I'm thinking yeah. of Tim Clark uh, and Sean McKeel. You know, accuracy. This, Almost like accuracy. a like a like a mini U.S. Open. R yeah, exactly. But it doesn't seem like it's going to be that way. Uh, I, I think now it's like more like what the U.S. Open is now, what the PGA is now, where it's you know the Gary Woodlands and the Brooks Kepkas and the Bryson DeChambeaus and the big heavy hitters seem like they're going to have a big advantage. Do, doesn't the removal of that, like the, the, the cutting down of those green surrounds, doesn't that favor the, the more cows on the homas and guys like that? Uh, it, it can, but again, here's the thing that sticks out to me. Um, well, I don't think it favors more it, it might favor somebody who's a little more skilled in their short game. I think it enhances short game skill. Okay. Um, but as far as getting the ball on the green is concerned, that that the ability to hit clubs that can get onto the green and stop versus hit clubs where you can maybe get it on the green. And if you do, you can't stop it. That's where that penalty gets even more severe. Um, and, and that's where the advantage of distance increases even more. Yeah, where you can fly it onto the green because you're hitting a nine iron out of the rough, uh, and you know somebody else. I won't say Morikawa, but let's say you know Brendan Todd because I talked to him about this at Wingfoot. He's hitting a five iron, and yeah. if he flies it on the front edge, it ain't stopping. Yeah, and now it's rolling off a runoff area, uh, and if he comes if he comes up short, you know hits a six iron instead, it's not getting there. Where the the bigger hitters, the Roms and the Schefflers, aren't going to have to deal with that. They're going to be able to land it on there and stop it. So, I mean, everything points to me to height and distance so yeah. far. Yeah, that makes sense. The penalty for for hitting a a much longer club into a green that does isn't sort of surrounded by rough is is much greater uh, when you when you cut that when you cut that grass down. Uh, okay. A couple other storylines for me, I, Phil, I, I think is right up there, like top five storyline, because it, this is his first PGA since he won at Kiowa. He finished second at the masters, which is just like one of the, <laughs> yes. one of the like weirder, mo most extraordinary accomplishments of the last, I mean, honestly, like next to his win at Kiowa, it might be the most crazy accomplishment of the last five years for him to finish second at this Masters. Uh, so he's up there for me, and then I, I would, I would echo what you said about Liv, but I would focus it on Brooks. I think like Brooks is like, what, what are we getting this year? Are we getting? Is it the throwback to Major Championship Brooks? If it is, great bring it on. I want to write about that. I want to watch that. I want to experience that. Or was the masters this sort of one-off thing and he's just going to be inconsistent at the majors going forward because of injuries, because of health, because of whatever. I, I think that for me is, is a big one. Yeah. We haven't gotten, you know, it's a lot harder now to get a real litmus test on, on their games, you know, any yeah. of the live players. 
And I would agree with you. The ones of more interest are the ones that nearly, you know, they've won majors before and they've, uh, they played well at the masters last year, uh, Phil and Kepka. They really stand out in that list to me. Phil's interesting. I'm very curious about him on this golf course. It does not seem like a great fit. Um, the fairways are going to be like 20 to 25 yards wide, <laughs> you know, uh, and I know that he, he might be a bomber though. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And he has, has a great record in us opens. He's never been accurate. You know, so maybe he can handle the rough. I, I, uh, maybe the tree removal is good for him. That's why it's very interesting to me because it feels like it would be bad for him. Um, but you know, us opens always feel like they're going to be bad for him. And he's coming second six times in the U S open. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's clear that us pundits are uh, missing some have, have missed something in the past. At least I have with Phil for sure. And then the last one, I think, and some people in the chat mentioned this, but you know, Rory uh, contending for what would be his first major since 2014. He's got some, obviously uh, Rochester ties with his fa- his wife and her family. And, you know, I, I think he's talked about that or it's been talked about or whatever, but uh, had a disappointing masters, you know, kind of a, just a weird week for him. And um, then didn't show up at, uh, at, at RBC heritage. And it's just, it's not, I guess my point in saying that is it's not been a continuation of what he did in, 2022 at the major championships where he was a, a real um factor in where did he finish at the masters last year second oh that's right he shot the 64 on sunday so he was a real he was like really a factor in all four majors right because yeah and you could argue least so the masters that he gave yeah, it second right right so you could have won the open probably maybe should have won the open uh, he was he hung around at the U.S. Open. He led the PGA Championship after the first day, and then obviously shooting sixty four on Sunday at Augusta National. Um, and he just he hasn't. I know we've only played one major so far in twenty twenty three, but he hasn't. He displayed that same level of play that he was yeah. that he was at in twenty twenty two. So I'm curious about is there a bounce back? Is he just kind of down is he going to just be down in 2023 players have down years he's had down years is that is that what we're getting from him in 2023 i think all of that is really fascinating for somebody who came into the year with with a lot of expectations and a lot of hopes and kind of coming to life this week in a lot of ways but the strange thing about rory last year after the second at the masters you know and and the backdoor second it almost feels like a win without holding a trophy and he leaves on such a high, uh, excited and invigorated for the next year. This year, he leaves on such a low. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it, it feels like it's a restart to the season. You know, it, Wells Fargo, it kind of felt like it's a slow restart to the season. It doesn't feel like he's looking ahead to, you know, I never got the sense that he's looking ahead to the PGA with this one circled on the calendar. Like there, I'm going to build myself up for the PGA. I'm sure he's practicing hard and I'm sure he's working on it. And I'm sure he wants to win the, uh, you know, every tournament he plays in, but this one, it feels like there's a little bit of energy, uh, a little bit of intensity kind of let out of the tank at the masters. I I can't wait to see if that's true or not true. I mean, don't disagree, but also he had so much momentum going into into Southern Hills last year leads after round one. You're like, okay, this is it. Yeah. And then it just petered out. So I don't know what the formula is for him winning a major championship. If there is one, I don't know if he knows what it is, but I just don't, I I don't, again, I don't disagree with what you're saying that there's not, there's no momentum behind it. Like he doesn't play well at coil hollow. He, he wasn't good at the masters obviously. So there's no momentum there, but Maybe that's the thing, you know, like maybe that's the, the path yeah, to a very real possibility to, to, to winning uh, what would be his, his fifth major championship. So 
Uh, it's going to be a blast. We're going to break it all down throughout the week. Uh, we've got a podcast Monday. We, I think we got podcasts every day next week. I might be, I might be wrong about that. I know we've got uh, except a, Wednesday, I believe. Okay, so Monday, Tuesday. I'm getting out there on Monday night, so I will be doing the podcast from Rochester on Tuesday. Actually, Rick and I, I believe, will both be there on Tuesday. So we'll be doing. CBS Sports HQ all week from uh, Oak Hill, from the PGA Championship. And uh, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. Major weeks are always special. And Oak Hill looks amazing. I, I've not been out there, but the just the video and the pictures that I've seen look look pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, I've, I've never heard a bad thing about the place. Uh, and, and it seems like everybody's really happy with the restoration as well. So um, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, I can't wait to talk about the PGA all week next week. Yeah, we uh, actually let's real quick. Let's do one minute on the betting favorites. I think Rom yeah. is a favorite seven to one. Uh, Scheffler plus seven fifty. Rory eleven, and then you get into some of the longer shot favorites. Still favorites, but a little bit longer with JT Cantlay and Kepka all at eighteen. Uh, does anything stick out on this list? I think we had something last year where if Morikawa was at 20, you hit it, right? That was, <laughs> that was, that was 2021, I think. Oh, uh, okay. Well, hey, he hasn't won in a long time, but if, it almost feels like you got to hit that. I know the um, the golf course may not seem like the right setup for him, but uh, I'm going to watch the weather a little. I'm going to watch the weather closely. And if it's going to be all right, you know, as we get really close to it and not too cold and not too windy, I may be a little more into Morikawa despite the, uh, you know, that he doesn't fit the course. Um, and then I, I think Xander and Cantlay are very interesting as well. Uh, are we, are they ready to, you know, step through the door and get their first one? Yeah. I think day at 20. And then I actually like, he's not on this list, but uh, Finau at 25, I think is real interesting. Finau has quietly yeah. been playing some of the best golf of the year. Now, yeah. can he win a major? I don't know. He's won big events before, not majors, but, but other big events. So I, I, I really like him at, at 25, especially if it turns into one of those sort of Beth page. It's not, as, it's obviously not as big as Beth page, but the type of like the style that you have to have to win at a Beth page, then Finau is going to be a, a real threat. So we'll talk all, uh, all about it next week uh, throughout the week on the First Cut Podcast. Greg, thanks for your time uh, at the Real GFD on Twitter. I'm at Kyle Porter CBS on Twitter. We got producer Josh uh, behind the glass, just getting it all done, getting all the logi- the logistics for for doing this podcast are an absolute nightmare, and he organizes them every week. So uh, appreciate that, producer Josh, and we will talk to everybody next week at the PGA Championship. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.